0: Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Good job, man. Y'all are good students. Awesome. Millie Vanilli. (laughs) You didn't know I was gonna go there, did you? Didn't know I was gonna go to Easter here. Millie Vanilli. Anybody know who Millie Vanilli is? Yeah. Famous for what? Lip syncing. Right. Some of y'all young ones like, who's that? All right, check him out, Millie Vanilli baby don't forget my number. <laughs> number sorry um yeah check it out um check it out they're they famous they, they put they pulled the wool over everybody's eyes well, Man, they're were, they were good man they were lip-syncing the whole time it was a it was a it was a hoax um sally can you go to the next screen for me that right there is a furry trout all right, yep, Miss Jan likes it. Um, so when a Wisconsin, here's the background, when the Wisconsin fisherman posted a furry trout photo to a news website in 2015, readers fell for it, hook, line, and sinker, sorry. <laughs> Go there. Um, the investigative website Snopes fact-checked the fishy tail, which is hilarious that they have to fact-check it, but anyway, uh, and determined trout don't actually wear fur coats, If you just if you didn't know that, okay? Um Uh, The truth hasn't stopped museums from counting the magical creatures on their walls, um, from mounting them, not counting them throughout history. Uh, Though in the 1930s, Colorado's Salida Museum was duped by a chamber of commerce rep who invented three-furry trout, and a scientist dedicated to studying the cold-water phenomenon. Uh, The Royal Museum of Scotland proudly displayed its furry fish in the 1950s until a Canadian taxidermist admitted wrapping it in rabbit fur. So, furry trout. Um, I don't know if you can think of anything else. You know that that was a hoax. I'm sure you can think of different things. But uh, anything else that you you believe something that turned out to be a lie? Right? Well, um, yeah, we know that this is not a lie. Amen. We're here. If, if, if Jesus did not um, rise from the grave, then what are we doing here today? I may as well go fishing. Right? I mean, you know, if, if he's if he's not alive, Amen. Um, and you know, can y'all think of uh, in a way of inter- introduction here? Still going for a little bit. Um, I'm trying not to trying not to go too far, Mister uh, Mister Tom. Yesterday, last week, it was I was a little over, but, um, uh, amen. amen. Yeah, yeah. I see you. I got you. All right, it's coming. Um, but you think about things that that change everything. Like I mean, I didn't live back then. Although my students would uh, argue this, uh, but the printing press, you know, Gutenberg. You know, change changed everything, right? Um, and, and then you have things like electricity, which wasn't invented, but discovered, I guess, uh, so to speak, and changed everything, right? Um, uh, it's a simple light in a, in, a, in a room where the air conditioning, you know, um, and, and, you know, I'm sure that did. And then the internet, like, what? Internet? You know, um, it's, it's ch- it changed everything. So here's our our statement today. Without the resurrection of Christ, there are things we don't have. And it's, it's so great how God works things out. We've already talked about all, all three of those things today. In song, in prayer, in um, Sally. It, you know, It's just really, really awesome how that works out. But because the tomb is empty, we have awesome, amazing treasures. The resurrection changes everything. The resurrection changes everything. So if you'll go with me to a text that you might not expect expected today. All right. Which we'll we will go to Matthew and we'll look at the you know the uh, the that morning. But we're going to go to First Corinthians chapter fifteen and we're going to pick up shortly after what Mr. Steve read for us earlier today. So First Corinthians fifteen, we'll start in verse twelve. Paul is speaking, and and he, he just presents this argument. Okay. And so we're in verse twelve. He says this. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain, and so is your faith. Moreover, we are found to be false witnesses about God, because we have testified wrongly about God that He raised up Christ, whom He did not raise up, if in fact dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. Strong words. So as, if you're taking notes today, Mr. Lewis, you'll like the first part. We have two parts today. We're going to look at what we don't have, and then we're going to look at what we do have. Amen. Keeping in mind that the, the empty tomb changes everything. Amen. And so, number one, if you are taking note, and, and the first three are alliterative, okay, uh, without the resurrection, we have no faith. It says it right there. Um, it, without it, we can't have faith. Look at verses 14 through 16 again. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain, and so is your faith. And it goes on, moreover, we are found to be false witnesses about God because we have testified wrongly about God that He raised up Christ, whom He did not raise up, and in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the, if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. See, without the resurrection, Paul says our faith is in vain. It, it, it's futile. It's useless. Like I mentioned earlier, we may as well go fishing. Right? It, it's, there, there's no point in even being here. See, if and if Christ wasn't raised, then the witnesses of the resurrection gave false testimonies. And there's no basis for their faith, right, Brother Tommy? That, that, see, if that if if without the resurrection, if Christ isn't raised, then we're no better no better than the peddlers of furry trout. It's, it's, if, if, the, if the resurrection didn't happen, then we have no faith.
1: Our religion is just like every other religion,
0: if that's the case. You know, just like Mr. Tomlin could have preached it earlier. He said it in his prayer. You know, we, we, we serve a living Savior. All right. Our, our God's not in the ground anymore. Amen? All right. So, without the resurrection, we have no faith. What are we doing here? Number two, without the resurrection, we have no forgiveness of sins. We have no forgiveness of sins. A young boy in Korea was a houseboy for some American soldiers back during that time during the war, the Korean War. Sometimes they thought it was funny to play harmless jokes on him. They would tease the little boy, they would tie his shoestrings together, they would lock him out of the house. Eventually, they realized that their practical jokes were not viewed as funny by the boy, so they apologized. He said, That's okay, I'll stop spitting in your suit now. <laughs> All right. So, do, do you forgive? Are you one of the people you say you forgive, but you don't forget? It? I don't know about you, but forgiveness is an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing uh, to to know that not only um, you know that my sins are forgiven because I'm I'm definitely not worthy of it, but just human to human, person to person, you know, when when somebody forgives you, you know, for what you've done, that's an amazing feeling. Or when or when you forgive somebody, I had to do that, man. I, man, there was somebody I worked with, and I, doggone it, I just I had a problem with that person. You know, and then what did God do? Put him right. I got moved to middle school, and he did too. I saw him every day. I'm like, okay, God, I gotta forgive. All right, and just forgiving just was was so awesome. Just to get that off um, off your back. The ESV Study Bible says this: the the proof that Christ's death was an effective substitutionary sacrifice for sin lies in Jesus' resurrection from the dead. If in fact Christ has not been raised, then his death did not pay for sin. And there is no hope for life with God in heaven. It, if he hasn't been raised, there's no forgiveness of sin at all. Right? First Corinthians 15 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. What's the last part? You're still in your sins. There's no forgiveness. Now, how's it feel to be forgiven? Romans 4 25, he was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Like I said, that, that was the reason why he, he went to the cross to begin with, he, he was put there. Got, got me thinking today and one of those things I didn't know I was going to say, but y'all, y'all taught me last week that it's okay to go off script every now and then, right? Okay? All right, Miss Jan is nodding her head. All right, so that's a good thing. Um, if you weren't here, I went off script for the whole sermon. right? I don't even know that was, you know, all God. But it got me thinking about how I went to the funeral yesterday. Sally and I went, went to the viewing and we, we see the, the, the man who's um, in prison, you know, um, come to see his dead son. You know, and I'm thinking, you know, it doesn't really matter what, what that man did. He made a mistake. He probably made more than one. I don't know. All right. But that's still his son lying in that, in that, uh, in that casket. And then got to thinking, man, God, you know, God had turned, or turned and couldn't look at it. You know, he turned, right? There's darkness. There's, there's still his son. There's still his son dying. He was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. See, again, without the resurrection, we have no faith. We, we have no forgiveness of sin. And we have no future. I don't know who we sang it, or maybe Brother uh, Tommy mentioned it in his prayer, or maybe Sally said it, I don't know. But we have no future. I mean, first Corinthians 15, 18 through 19, those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. Verse 19, if we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. We, we have no future. Those who die before us, uh, you know, our loved ones before us, they, they're, they're just, I guess, just going to stay in the grave. If, if Jesus didn't arise, Amen. Um, Kevin Riggs said, "Without hope for the future, there is no meaning for today. There is no meaning for today, and we should be pitied more than anyone. Pity? You like pity? Nah. You don't like pity? But Paul says, if, if none of this is true, then we and what we as Christians believe, we should be pitied above everybody. Everybody should feel sorry for us. bunch of Christians believing in the resurrected Savior." <laughs> Let's let's go to the turning point. Amen. You all ready for that part? I like this part. In his autobiographical account, A Song of the Sins, there's a famous missionary named Dr. E. Stanley Jones. He tells about a layman. Uh, he was a newspaperman. He was a mutual friend uh, who was called upon to conduct a funeral service. So you know he wasn't a preacher. This guy. He was a newspaperman, right? Being an exact man, however, he wanted to do it just right and properly and in the best Christian tradition. So he turned to the New Testament as the original sources and example of how Jesus conducted the funeral. He he wanted to see how's it done. I want to do it right by the time he... And he found out that Jesus didn't conduct funerals at all. All he dealt with were resurrections. Amen. Ooh, it gets me excited. That's good. That's a good one. See, without the resurrection of Christ, there are things we don't have. We don't have faith. We don't have forgiveness. We don't have a future... But because the tomb is empty, we have awesome treasures we're going to look at in the next in the next part because the resurrection changes everything. Amen? It changes everything. Look at the next three verses with me. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 22. We're going to look at five, maybe six. Right. We're going to have five things that we have because the tomb is empty. Amen? It's a turning point, as they say, right, Miss, Miss Donna? Okay. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 22. But as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came to a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes to a man. For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Alive. Because a tomb is empty, we have life. Life eternal and life abundant right here now. Amen? See, read with me another account of this wonderful morning. Right. Let's look at Matthew chapter 28. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. There was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. The angel told the women, don't be afraid because I know you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He's not here for he has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead. And indeed he is going at the head of you to Galilee; you will see him there. Listen, I've told you. So departing quickly from the tomb, with fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the good news. See, some of this is so simple. When I was reading, you know, some stuff yesterday, and they're like uh, some some admi- admonition, some encouragement to preachers like myself, you know, to keep it simple. You know, was it K I S S? K-I-S-S, Kiss, keep it simple, stupid. All right, like keep it simple. All right, preach it, keep it short. All right, and one guy told me, you know, get up, say what you got to say, and sit down. All right, well, y'all know I have a hard time with that because I have a hard time sitting down. Hey, I've my pants. I'm a little bit hyper. But anyway, if his body's not there, if his body is not there, then he must be alive. <clears throat> People can come up with all the different reasons why in their mind that didn't happen. All right, and we can refute each one. Right? You, you can refute it and I'm gonna, like I'm gonna tell you later though eventually you just have to make a choice in the matter you just got to make a choice yeah you, know, you, you got to draw a line in the sand but i to talk about that later see but if his body is not there then he must be alive he must be alive amen see because they could not have stolen the body which was one of their one of the things they 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 tried to spread all right back then look at previous verses if you have your bible if not you can look on the screen let's go back to matthew twenty seven sixty two through sixty six I think i alluded to it last week at the end of the service. The next day, which followed the preparation day, this is the next day after Jesus was crucified, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Hey, sir, remember that while this deceiver was still alive, he said, after three days I'll rise again. Remember he said that. So give orders that the tomb be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, listen, his disciples may come, steal him and tell the people he's been raised from the dead. And the last assessment will be worse than the first. You have a guard of soldiers, Pilate told them, go and make it as secure as you know how. They went and secured the tomb by setting a seal on the stone and placing the guards. So they, made, they, they had plans in place, you know, stipulations in place to prevent people from coming and stealing the body. But let's, let's look, think about it just kind of like, you know, practically. Um, the stone would have weighed anywhere from one to two tons. All right, Anybody been working out lately? Mm-hmm. Think you can move one or two times? Right. I mean, even a couple people. It would, it would take a good bit, okay? It would take an awful lot to move that, okay? Um, not to mention, and I know some of you, this is not new to some of you. You've been coming to Easter services for all your life, all right? But I still pray that God will use this somehow to reach everybody here. Um, but did you know about the women's testimonies? Does anyone, some of y'all know where I'm going with it. See, a woman's testimony, and I'm sorry this was the case, ladies. I don't mean any disrespect, but back then it was considered inadmissible in a court of law. Why would they use that? Why would would the gospel writers use the fact that women were the first ones to tune and they're the ones saying, spreading spreading around, that Jesus is alive? Why would they use the testimony of somebody like that? And that, again, I use it back then. Y'all know I don't mean that right now, ladies, okay? But why? It wouldn't make sense to do it that way, you know? And, and, and if we're, um, in, in, in addition to that, okay, um, how could you explain the fact, and this part, and I was just reading this more this week, right, um, that these early followers dedicated their lives to Christ. And now, we can go, we can look in the scripture, we can go, and we're not going to do that right now, but you can find it, it's in there. Right? That, see, they went from hiding in a corner of a house, hiding in a room, to shouting in the, in the, in the rooftops. The same people. The, the same people who, who who didn't believe, you know, like, I can't believe it. See, they, they didn't know. They thought he was going to you know, live forever. It's like, wait, my Savior's dead? So, you know, they have, they have no hope and they're kind of aimlessly wandering around and then all of a sudden those same people were on fire for the for the belief that Jesus rose from the grave. See, why, why would that happen unless he really rose from the grave? Amen? What, and you saw what, what Mr. Steve read and it, he appeared to all the disciples and the twelve and the five hundred at once. What about those five hundred people? See, we can refute. We can go there. right? It's real. At some point you have to believe it, amen? It changes everything. Warren Wearsby says this, the stone was not rolled away to, to permit Jesus to come out for he had already left the tomb. It was rolled back so that the people could see for themselves that the tomb was empty. I love you, and I'm so glad you're here today. As Sally mentioned earlier, again, she didn't know she was preaching my message this morning, but see it for yourself this morning. Can you see it for yourself? So you need to see it for yourself that the tomb is empty. You need to see that yourself. Go in, look. This body ain't there. See it for yourself this morning. Think of it uh, and, and have a fresh, a fresh awakening. I love this part. Y'all know I love, I love jokes. You know, Mr. Tommy told me a bad one earlier today. Y'all don't want to hear it. It's worse than anything I ever told. But according to William according to William J. Bosch, and I found this to be very interesting, in the Greek Orthodox tradition, the day after Easter was devoted to telling jokes. I would have loved that day, PJ. I would have been there, boy, telling all my bad jokes. I, I can remember when people were like, at school, they were like, they're going back, like, you know, back when Mr. Combass taught. And they're like, Mr. Combass versus Mr. Murphy. Y'all need to get in the, in, in the courtyard and y'all need to have a joke fest. Okay, and we'll see who wins. So we both told all, awful, awful jokes. Don't amen that. Right? All right, it's not supposed to say anything. All right, but now, the reason why, the reason why that they did this, okay, was this, the idea that in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God was playing a great cosmic joke on the devil. That's what he did. it. In devoting the Monday after Easter to joke telling, they were reveling in the fact that on Easter Sunday, God had the last word. God had the last word. Do you hear me? Because the tomb is empty, we have life, and we don't have to be afraid. Matthew 28, verse 5, the angel told the women, don't be afraid, because I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. See, fear can cripple, can it? Can it? Fear can cripple a person. And fear can turn to worry, and you know, then worry about every little thing, and it cripples you. Y'all remember the boogeyman? Come on, man. I know we're old, but some of y'all and a boogeyman scared the crap out of me man oh boy I, I want to get that bad better better not mess with me see many many people are dominated by fear and anxiety and worry these days all you got to do is read it's all out there I mean the anxiety disorders are huge in America and they're on the rise all the time especially since COVID right you read all the time Carl Barr says this the Easter message tells us that our enemies sin the curse and death are beaten Ultimately, they can no longer start mischief. They still, however, behave as though the game were not decided. The battle were not fought. We must still reckon with them, but fundamentally we must cease to fear them anymore. And we can do that because Jesus' body is no longer in the grave. Amen? He is risen. He is risen indeed. So because the tomb is empty, we, we have life. We, we don't have to be afraid, and we can have joy. We can have joy. Look in verse 8 of Matthew 28. So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and what? Great joy. They ran to tell his disciples the news. I mean, can you imagine what it must have been like to see the tomb was empty? Can you put put yourself in that situation? Like I I say, Ms. and I try to do that as English teachers. Put yourself in that situation. Can you imagine going there and then the body's not there? You know, I... I have heard uh, sermons of, of people when I've heard, you know, my Uncle Jimmy, you know, has been there. You know, he's been, anybody have been to Israel? Have been over there? I haven't, I haven't been to the Holy Land. You know, um, maybe that's something that the church can pay for. I'm just playing, just playing, <laughs> just playing. Totally, I know that's not me, I'm just being funny. All right, but, you know, I've heard sermons about it, and, you know, my Uncle Jimmy's been there, he so says his body ain't there. I, I've been in the tomb, it's not there. It, See, look, Muhammad's body is in the grave. Right Brother Tommy? Joseph Smith's body is in the grave. Go ahead and say all the other religions that you want. They're in the grave. And I'm going to go back to what I say a lot of times because so I feel like I, you know, I need to do it. if like God's telling me to do that. But every other religion is man's attempt to climb up to God on the mountain. Christianity is God coming down the mountain in the form of Jesus. Us. it's different it's the different one out of all of them um evangelist gypsy smith i love that name gypsy right, gypsy smith used to say i've never lost a wonder speaking of the resurrected christ uh, the the empty grave have you lost the the wonder speaking to you who are christians have you lost have you lost a wonder the tomb is empty he's risen hallelujah a fan once uh startled Mark Twain by telling him, I wish I had never read Huckleberry Finn. Kinda kinda mean, right? I wish I'd never read that. With a scowl, Mark Twain asked the reason for such a remark. What why why'd you say that? Well, so that I could have the pleasure again of reading it for the first time. Ha- have you had the pleasure of just thinking about it again, like it's new? If you have it, do that again today. Are you are you drying your faith? You feel like your prayers don't go past the ceiling. Look into an empty tomb, and wonder at the Easter, at Easter, the Easter miracle, as though you're hearing it for the first time. Amen. See, joy doesn't mean that you'll always be happy, but it's contentment that nothing else can match. It's matchless, and that nothing or nobody else can provide, even your spouse. Right? You know, I, I even say that when I'm when I did when I did. Uh, uh, marriage counseling, right? We we say they're not going to complete you, right? not, this isn't that movie where it's just you complete me. Right? It's not it, okay? Only Jesus can do that. It's a God-shaped hole can only be filled by Jesus. Amen. And so, because a tomb is empty, you can have life, no fear, joy, and hope. Hope. I, I mentioned this before, but man, I've coached teams that didn't have much hope because they weren't that great. Those were hard to coach. Okay? Hard to go to practice. Everybody dreaded it. You dreaded the games. You're just ready for the season to be over. And when the season was over, you're like, man, praise God. Okay? Thankfully, I didn't have too many of those teams. But it's hard. when You don't have hope. Look at Matthew 28, verse 7. Then go quickly and tell His disciples, He has risen from the dead. He is indeed. He, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see Him there. You will see Him there. You can hope in that. Listen, I've told you. See, we have something to look forward to. We'll see Him Again, one day, amen. Life without hope, man—that's that's tough. I like how Pope John Paul II said. It says, "Do not abandon yourselves to despair." We are the Easter people, and Hallelujah is our song. We're the Easter people, and Hallelujah is our song. Is Hallelujah your song? Is Hallelujah your song, or or are we still singing the blues? I, I like blues. I like all sorts of music, right? But spiritually speaking, I don't. know I don't want no, to always sing the blues, amen. Okay? I'd rather sing an hallelujah, amen. But with hope. There will be no sorrows there. No more burdens to bear. Some of y'all know the song. No more sickness and no, no more pain. No more parting over there. But forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, glorious day that will be, amen. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see when I look upon His face, the one who saved me by His grace, when He takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. So, once again, when because the tomb is empty, we have life, amen? No fear, joy, hope, and lastly, we should tell others. Matthew 28, verse 8, So departing quickly, from the tomb, with fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news. Oh, that'll preach. Right, PJ? Where's PJ? That'll preach. So we, so we, we run to tell the new gossip. Oh, amen or oh me, right, Brother Jimmy? We run to complain about the government. We, we, we run to complain about gas prices. We run to tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen or o me? Warren Wesby again says, Easter is the truth that turns a church from a museum into a ministry. A museum into a ministry. Are we a museum or are we a ministry? We're a ministry. And you're here today. You're here today. Again, you have hope. We are not furry trout peddlers. Praise God. Didn't know that was going to be of the, weird, the weird thing they did you? It's real. Let's say as Warren Wearsby says, come and see. Come and see for yourself. And then Warren Wearsby says his come and see was followed by go and tell. See, see, some of you have come and you've seen and you've tasted, and you know what, what Jesus did in your heart. I was talking to Brother Jim about that this morning. He's gonna tell, maybe, maybe tell us a little bit next week. I don't want to put him on the spot. He's going to, but he's gonna tell a story. The We've come and seen for ourselves. We've tasted that the Lord is good and we know what He did for us. We accepted that what Jesus did on the cross counted for us. And now we go and tell. Anyone remember drawing a line in the sand with your your buddy and y'all playing in the dirt? They don't do that anymore, do they? My girls did. They still played in the dirt. But anyway, but y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You draw a line in the sand, what do you tell them? I dare you to cross it. Dare you. Of course, it was bigger than me, I'd draw another line. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, you need to draw your line in the sand as we conclude today. Or better yet, in the blood of Jesus, amen? Oh, we, like we said last week, I'm sure, I'm, I'm very thankful that I get to be the pastor of a church. That's okay to preach the blood of Christ, because without without the without the Without the crucifixion, without the blood, there is no resurrection. They, without Friday, there's no Sunday. There's no Easter. Draw your line today. Make a stand. You either believe Jesus is who he says he is or he isn't. You've got to make a choice because Jesus didn't leave it up for debate. And I mentioned the uh, Lord, liar, lunatic thing last week, but I want to let C.S. Lewis say it even better to me. C.S. Lewis is a great writer uh, in the book Mere Christianity it's a little long, but stay with me, okay? And listen, please listen to what he's saying as we close out today. I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. Sounds good, right? He was a good guy. He had good teachings. I like all those things about salt and light. All All that stuff sounds good. But he goes on to say, that is the one thing we must not say, See, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he is a poached egg. I love that line. Or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man, Jesus, was and is a son of God or else a madman or something worse. See, you, you can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Where well, you can follow his feet and call him Lord and God, but let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being, his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not ever intend to, C.S. Lewis. Strong words. So, so make a choice. See, people have disbelieved since it happened, since, since Jesus' body was placed in the, in the tomb and since that moment in time, people have disbelieved. They want to come up with all the reasons why it didn't really happen. Yeah. Matthew 28, verse 11 through 15. As they were on their way, some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. They are like, there's guards over there. Hey man, hey listen, Jesus' body isn't there. After the priests had assembled with the elders and agreed on a plan, they gave soldiers the soldiers a large sum of money. Well, it goes back to money a lot, don't it, y'all? Even way back then. Listen to what he says. He says, "Agreed on a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money and told them, Save this, his disciples came during the night and stole him while we were sleeping. If this reaches the governor's ears, we will deal with him and keep you out of trouble. They took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been spread among Jewish people and us to this day. They tried to discredit Jesus back then. Again, people are still doing it today. You draw your line in the sand. It's like, it's already gave this to me today. Why'd you give it to me? Right. It's empty. The tomb is empty. You believe it or you don't. The, uh, I asked Mr. Lourdes and Sally to come up. The French mathematician, I'm going to end with this. The French mathematician, August Comte, was talking about religion one day when the Scottish essayist Thomas Carlyle, uh, they, they, were, they were discussing religion with, with, with each other. Comte suggested they start a new religion to replace Christianity based on positive thinking and mathematical principles. Carlyle thought about it in a moment, and then he replied, Very good, Mr. Compte. Very good idea. All you will need to do will be to speak as never a man spoke and live as never a man lived and be crucified. And rise again the third day, and get the world to believe that you're still alive. Then your religion will have a chance to get on. Let's see that happen. You either believe it or you don't. And so I, I, I'm hoping today that it was clear that it wasn't too long right, today, um, and, and that you realize that it's a choice you have to make. Right? Choose death or choose life, because it will be it will be death. Right? Jesus died on our cross on the cross for your sins and mine. He was our replacement. He was our substitute. And all Christianity is is saying, I take what you get on the cross as counting for me. That counts for me because I can't do it on my own. Have you made that decision today? I pray if you have it that you will uh, make that decision today, either during the uh, service or afterwards as we sing, Miss Sally. Let's stand.